today we're starting off, obviously, a new series as the opener uh, shared, and we're going to talk for the next few weeks about things that people think the Bible says that actually it doesn't say. And here's why this is important, is because sometimes it affects how we view God. You know, we, we think, well, God's like this, but what if how you think of him is wrong? Then you're going to relate to him wrong. And, and so it's huge that we understand. And, and so we're going to dive into some doctrine because people do get confused about the Bible. All right, for example, how many wise men showed up when Jesus was born or in the Christmas story? How many? Three? Okay. Actually, that's what many people say, but the Bible does not say three showed up. It could have been 13. It could have been 30. What, what causes us to think three is there were three gifts that were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But that could have been brought by 30 wise men in a convoy coming to visit uh, Jesus. Or how about the forbidden fruit? What was the forbidden fruit? Apple. Yeah, most people say apple. But the Bible doesn't say apple. The Bible just says it was fruit. It could have been a pear. How many like pears, right? You know, that would have been tempting, you know? But, but the Bible doesn't say it could have been a supernatural fruit that God had prepared on that specific tree. We don't know. But see, the point is, sometimes we read into the Bible things that aren't there. And I saw that in a survey, Barna, a, a church researcher, here, here's what he said. He, he discovered that 52% of born-again, claiming to be born-again, God-fearing Christians in America believe that the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Now, that's not people who don't claim to be Christians. That's people who claim that I read that book. And that, that is my book. And, and 52% claim that that statement is in there. Well, is it? Is it really in there? Or is it a misinterpretation of the scripture? So we're going to look today at where this came from. Like in the video, here's where the statement originated. It actually originated in Greek literature. Uh, Aesop's fables, things like that, talked about the gods help those who help themselves. And then a man by the name of Algernon Sidney, who was an English politician in the 1600s, he printed it. He put it into writing, and people you know, adhered, adhered to it and thought, well, yeah, the Bible says that. Now, just because we say, well, the Bible doesn't really say God helps those who help themselves, does not mean that we abdicate our responsibility. In other words, the Bible does not say that God blesses laziness. 
There are actually scriptures that say something like this. If, if a person will not work, then they shouldn't eat. So if you like to eat, you should work. Now it doesn't say if you will not, if you cannot work, it says if you will not work. Okay? Because it's different if you can't work. But if you will not work, then you shouldn't eat. And so where does this idea come from? How, how does this come into our lives? Well, God generally will not do for you what you could do for you. You know, if you can work and get a job, then, then God says, hey, I'll, I'll bless that. But if you say, well, I just can't, I, I just don't know why I can't get a job. Well, have you interviewed have you gone online for jobs? Have, have you, you know, how many applications have you filled out? You know, and, and, and then I want God to help me to get an A on this test. Have you studied? <laughs> you know, God, God will bless those who do. God will give a person boldness to preach the gospel, boldness to witness to somebody else, to share their faith with somebody else, but he won't open your mouth and cause your vocal cords to work. You have to do that part. You know, if you say, well, I want my neighbor to come to church, gosh, they would be so benefited. Oh, man, I, I wish my coworker, I, I wish my fellow student, I, I, wish I, could, I wish they would come. Have you invited them? Have you shared on social media for them to be here? You, you, you want your marriage to improve or your relationship with your kids to improve. Are you attentive at home? You know, are, are you committed to spend time? What, what are you doing, in other words? So God's help does not negate your own responsibility. I want to be clear about that. But... This quote that we think, many people think, is in the Bible. Here's where it can be a problem, is when you think you're the number one resource. See, when you, when you think, well, I'll, you know, God helps those who help themselves, and if it's got to get done, I'm going to do it. And I'm like this self-made man. You know, I built this business up by myself. And, and I'll, I'll have to hop in there and I'll have to do this. Listen, here's what often happens. We put God as secondary resource. When he should be our first response, not our last resort. And, and so we need to come to him first. Because the truth is, I need help and you need help. And some of us need more help than others, right? I may agree with that, right? You at home, you, you don't point in the room right now. That would not be good. But, but we all need God's help. And some of us would admit to it more than others. So how does God's help work? How is it that God's help works in our lives? How, how does this happen? You know, how, who does he help who does God help in the first place? Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. Paul talks about this. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. How many just could almost shout right there, right? You know, other people could condemn you, but God, who matters most, 
doesn't condemn you. The one who could condemn you the most chooses not to. I'll shout for that, all right? That's, that's awesome. And because you belong to him, now notice this, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was what? Unable. See, you were unable to be saved by being perfect. God gave 10 commandments and people couldn't do it. Right? Couldn't even do 10. And so... We're unable to save ourselves because, why? Of the weakness of our sinful nature. So, here's what God did. He did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Somebody want to shout right now? Yeah. That's the gospel. The gospel is just real quick. It's this. Jesus died on a cross, came down here in human form as God in a bod, and, and took all the sins upon himself. He can identify, oh, it's so hard to live this life. Oh, it's so hard. And Jesus is like, I get it. I get it. I was here. People even thought I was born an illegitimate son. So I had baggage, okay? And I had real close friends, and we hung together for three and a half years. And when I died, they all scattered. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like to be abused. I know what it's like to be all alone. I, I, I know all that. See, God did that. And then in that body, God says, I'm putting all the sin of all humanity of all time upon him. And the sky grew black. And it, was like, it felt like God had turned away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries out and he dies. But he says, it is Finished. What's finished? The work of salvation is finished. And now it's finished for you. So you don't have to be good enough. Now, I don't know what church you grew up in, and, and they may have put pressure on you to be good enough. And you're not cutting your hair right, and you're not wearing the right clothes. Anybody grow up like this? Not acting right, not getting in line, not, you know, come on, line's clear. Get in line. And you were like, I can't walk that line. That's not me. I, I just can't do that. And if we got to be perfect, I'm out. Because I, I just can't do it. You know, I, I mess up. And, and so maybe you walked away. I've got good news for you. Jesus died for you. He died for people like you. That, that Paul says, you were unable to do it. And it's not because you're a terrible person. It's just because you're weak. It's because we're all weak. We all, how many would confess today along with me that you have weak moments in life? Right? 
And it's for those weak moments that Jesus died. So who does God help? God helps those who realize they can't help themselves. That's who he helps. He helps the people who realize I need God's help in my life. I cannot do this myself. So how does God's help work? Here's how God's help works. Is he helps people who invite him in. That invite him in. See, in other words, God does not bust in the door of your life and say, I'm going to set up my throne upon your life. And I'm going to be king of your life. No. Is that how it worked for you? No. Here's what Jesus did. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, he stands at the door and knocks. That's all he does. Does he, you know, he could bust in, he could, he could come in, but he doesn't. He knocks on the door and he says, and if you'll invite me in, I will come in. So today, I just want to announce to anybody in this room who is not saved, you're not, your sins aren't forgiven, you're trying to do life on your own and, and you're not doing such a good job of it and you can't be perfect and you're not able to to do this thing perfect. Listen, whether you're online or you're in this room, I've got good news for you. If you'll invite him in, he'll come in today. He'll come in today. Because he says, whoever, aren't you glad for that? Whoever, Jewish or not Jewish, you know, whatever, I'll come in. So it's a choice. God helps people, listen, who open the door. That, that's who he helps. That's who he saves. It is people who will open the door. If you'll invite him in, listen, you're inviting his power in to your life. The power to be victorious in life. Because, listen, we can't do it on our own. And here's a real sense is that the more you depend on God's grace, the more grace you get. The, the more you depend on it, the less you depend upon yourself. The, in other words, the more helpless you realize you are, the more strength you receive from God. The more he steps in to your life. You see, self-help is about looking within. But when we have God's help, it's about looking upward. It's not saying, oh, what do I need to do internally? No, what do I need to do externally? I need to look to God for strength. I need to look upward. And here's the next thing is we ask. We ask for his help. That's what the Bible says. As we pray, as we ask for help, look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 the people of Israel were in bondage for 400 years. Somebody say 400. That's a long time. Because see, it says here, during that long period, well, I want you to know how long it was. It's 400 years. The king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned in their slavery. And what they do? They cried out. And their 
cry for help for, because of their slavery, it went up to God. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Have you ever just been able to pray, help? You just don't know any other words. It's just like, help, Jesus, Jesus, help. And, and this is what they did. They just cried for help. And God did not look down and say, oh, well, I help people who help themselves. That's, that's who I help. You know, or if you people would show some initiative here, you know, if you would get in there and do something, well, then I'll do something. No, that, that's not what God said. All they could do is say, help, help. And the Bible says God heard it and he was moved by it. So today, I've got good news for somebody that all you can do is squeak out a help. That's all you can do is you just help God. Help. The Bible says God hears it and he's concerned about it. He's concerned about the situation. Jesus said, if you'll ask, it'll be given. If you seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, the door will be open. So, Ask for his help. But see, some of that's the problem because we have pride, right? That's just your neighbor's problem, right? But, but some, some of us, we have a pride issue and we want to do it on our own and we want to try our stuff first and then if that doesn't work, then we enlist God. And, and the Bible teaches, no, 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 no. You go to God. You go to God and you ask him. So how does God's help work. How does it work? I want us to look at a story back in the book of Exodus where this is after, okay, you remember the story, maybe you saw the movie where Moses holds up his hands, the, the sea parts, and the people walk across. How many remember that? They walk across the other side. You know, two million people perhaps walk on dry ground over the other side and then the sea closes up over the Egyptians behind them and they're free from their enemy and they march on in toward the promised land. And as they're going, the Bible says, you know, God was strategic about how he led them and, and the people start complaining, this water's nasty out here. We had good water when Hinckley and Schmidt, you know, back in Egypt, and this, this stuff's nasty out here. And, and God says, these people, Moses, go smite that rock over there. And Moses goes over and hits it with his stick, and, and sure enough, clean water comes out, and the people, oh, see, this isn't so bad after all. And, and so then they go about life, and then they say, you know what? We're eating berries and twigs out here. It's a shame we had better food, you know. We had delivery, we had Uber Eats or whatever, you know, back in Egypt and Egypt Eats or whatever it was. And we had, 
had all this meat and food and everything, and it was great. And, all, and now we're out here, and it's not so great. And God says, these people. He says, get them ready. And birds, quail just come in and feed everybody. And, and so God starts showing up and showing some things. But here, here's where they're at. Now they're getting against an enemy that is picking on them on the outskirts, and, and they're going to have to fight. And these are bricklayers. They're not warriors. They're not trained, you know, soldiers. They're, at best, bricklayers. And now they're going to have to fight. And so we're going to pick up the story because Moses is going to give the battle plan to Joshua, who is going to be the leader, the champion of the people against the, the enemy that is against them. And here's what he says in Exodus 17:9. And Moses said to Joshua, here, here's the plan. Choose some men and go out to fight with Amalek. And tomorrow, here's what I'm going to do. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Okay? And then you'll start spinning it, right? And it, maybe it'll turn into a laser stick or something, you know? A lightsaber, right? And you'll come down off the mountain and you'll start killing and we'll win the victory. And Moses is like, no, like I said, I'm going to go up and I'm going to stand. And, and I'm going to hold up the stick. And that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And you're going to fight. And, and so it's not really what probably Joshua was thinking about. But, but here's the thing is, while Moses, I'll just tell you the story real quick. While Moses is up there, it's like he's interceding over the fight. Like he's covering it in prayer. And we don't have biblical record. Maybe he's praying out loud. I don't know, nothing's recorded. Maybe he's praying silently. Maybe his lips are moving, kind of like Hannah in, in later on in the Bible that's, that's got her lips moving, but nothing's really coming out. I don't know how he's praying. I don't know exactly what he's doing. But as long as he's up there with his hands in the air, the Israelites win. They're winning, but he gets tired, and he puts his arms down. And the Bible says when he dropped his arms, all of a sudden, the fight started to switch, and, and the enemy started to win. And so he gets his arms back up in the air because he can see what's going on. And as long as his arms are in the air, he, he, he's, they're, they're winning. And, and it's kind of like 
what we pray, because again, we don't have it recorded what he prayed, but what you pray is not as important as who you pray to. Okay, because some people get all weirded out. I know that. Okay, let's just be real. Some people are like, hey, I just don't know how to pray and whatever. Listen, if you can say help, that's a prayer. And so it's not so important that you articulate it just right and quote some scripture in there and sound holy and whatever, or maybe vibrate your voice a little or something and sound spiritual or anything like that. No, 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 no. We, we don't have record of anything. Listen, what you pray is not nearly as powerful as who you pray to. See, who are you praying to? That's why I like to pray in this room. You know, during 21 days of prayer, we always have the, the room open every day for prayer, six to eight in the morning. And when I come in here and pray and different other times as well, it's powerful for me. And one of the reasons why is because I'm praying in a miracle. I'm praying in a miracle. This building is a miracle. God took us out of a movie theater and brought us into a spacious place of, of about nearly 25 acres of land in, in central Indiana and provided this for us and an incredible facility where we're able to come and not just be in this room, but be connected to rooms all across America and even around the world. And when I'm in here, I can't help but think about the God who provided all of this. And if he can do this, what else can he do, right? What else could he do? And so these ex-slaves, not at all trained in battle, are able to start winning this victory. But again, Moses' arms get tired, but there's two guys that come alongside and lift his arms up and help him. I wonder today, who do you have in your life helping to lift your arms? Moses had a couple people who were ready. And see, the imagery here is a physical imagery of a spiritual thing. In other words, the battle is not against flesh and blood. See, it, it, the battle really wasn't on the field, was it? The battle was up on the hill. That's where it was won, was up on the hill. And I want to tell a parent today that you're troubled about your children and you're wondering how to rear your children and what to do next. And you're like, oh, is there a book? Is there a manual? Is there something to help me here? And I just want you to know the battle is not flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And what you've got to do is you've got to pray and you've got to ask because if you'll ask, you shall receive and you'll start having things Things happen because God will help you if you'll ask. If you'll ask. Because we weren't made to do this life in our own power, in our own strength. We were made to live in dependence upon God. 
I've known plenty of people in this church who tried it in their own strength. We have testimonies of all kinds of people who tried to break addictions, who tried to break habits, who tried to do things that that would repair their marriage or the different things in life, and, and they couldn't get it fixed. They couldn't get it helped until they started asking God for help. And God provided the power that they didn't have on their own. So what battle are you facing? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it financial stress? Has this pandemic drained you? Is it your kids? Is it your marriage? You know, sometimes God even will use human people around us, just like those next to Moses, to give us what we need. Some of you, maybe you're struggling since your divorce, but you've never been to divorce care. Help is there. It's available. Grief share. Financial Peace University. All these classes that are coming up this fall are an opportunity for others to come alongside and lift your arms and to help you to connect to the power of a God who can do what no other power can do. Is God able? Did you know one guy said to Jesus one time, he says, Lord, if you're able, and Jesus is like, if I'm able, Who is this guy? (laughs) If I'm able. And and, and so, if he's able, oh, I want you to see how able he is. Look at Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. Paul tells us how able he is. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine that this is who God is. Okay, now I don't know what you've heard about God before you walked in here, but I want you to know what God says about God. Okay, this is what scripture teaches about God. It says that he can do anything you can ask. Anything you could ever ask, he can do it. And Paul says, not just anything you ask, it's all you ask. All of it. Well, could he do that? Yep. Could he do that? Yep. Could he do it? Yep. Yep, 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 yep. He created the sun, thinking handle, whatever it is. And he says he's not just able to do all you can ask. He can do more than all you can ask. And he doesn't just say he can do more than all you can ask. He says he can do immeasurably more than all you could ask. And he's not able to just do That, it's all more than you can imagine. How many have a pretty good imagination? 
anything that you can imagine. It's beyond all of that. So is he able to help? Oh, he is able. He is very able to help. And he's very willing to help because that guy who asked if you could help, not only did he find out he can help, but he's willing to help. See, we were born needing help and we die needing help. Like diaper to diaper, right? I mean, I don't want to think about that, but you know, it's kind of the way it is. But here's the thing is somewhere between that, somewhere between when we're born and we say, oh yeah, I couldn't feed myself. Yeah, thank God for parents or people that fed me and whatever. You know, I, I couldn't. And somewhere between the end when maybe we can't do for ourselves, in between, we get pretty independent. In between, many of us think, I can handle this. I got this. We even tell people, you got this. You got it. No? Not always. We're going to talk about that next week. All right? But God's got it. God is able. See, because here's the thing. We convince ourselves, I can handle it until we get that email. And our best worker is quitting. We, we get that email or that text message that she's done with the relationship and moving on. We, we think we've got life handled until one little tiny seemingly insignificant blood vessel pops. Life changes instantly. Know how it works? And see, maybe you're like Moses. You need to get your hands in the air and say, God, <laughs> we're bricklayers. We're not warriors. And we just got out. And we're not able to do this. But you are able to do this. Because you're able to do whatever I ask. You're able to do all I can ask. You're able to do immeasurably more than all I can ask. Or even Imagine if I'll ask. And so God, today I'm asking. I'm asking. And this is why we have prayer partners in this church that come down front at the end of the service to pray for people. It's because sometimes your arms get so heavy, you feel like I just can't keep them up any longer. I've been praying for these kids for decades. I've been praying for this 
marriage for years now. I've been praying for this job opportunity for months now. I've been praying for this situation to turn around, and it just is so heavy. God says, hey, get some people around you to lift your hands up, and I'll come and help. I'll come and help. Because the real battle is not on the field. In October, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare for a couple weeks. You don't want to miss it. We're going to talk about how to defeat the enemy. But somehow, in our weakness, he shows up. Somehow, in our weakness, God shows his strength. And I want you to look. Let's wrap this up today. At our ultimate help. I want to introduce you to somebody whom the Bible says is our ultimate help. Look at this in the last part. We didn't read all the verse. A lot of people, a lot of people, I grew up, I grew up in church. And a lot of times, Ephesians 3.20, that's the part we read. Okay, we pr- prayed, oh God, you are able to do immeasurably above all that we ask or think. And we just pray that. I didn't know there was another part of that verse till I read it for myself. And here's what the rest of the verse says. According to his power that is at work within us. He wants to work in us. He has somebody, Jesus said, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm sending somebody And it's going to get better than what it is even now. Because he that's with you is going to be in you. And he's never going to leave you alone. You'll be shackled. You'll be crucified. You'll be boiled in oil. You'll be killed. Your heads will be cut off. All kinds of terrible things are going to happen to you. I know you don't want to hear about that, guys, but I'm just telling you, when you're in the boiling oil, when you're in the, on the Isle of Patmos by yourself, you're going to get a revelation that's going to be so good, I'm going to put it in my book. It's going to be a bestseller. People all over the world for thousands of years in places you haven't even heard about yet are going to read it because he is going to be in you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's what he says. So Jesus called him, and we don't have time. We've talked about this, and we'll talk about it some more. But, But he sent another helper. How does God help? He sends a helper. He sends his Holy Spirit. And he puts his Holy Spirit in you to do what you can't do on your own. He said, when you don't know what to say, he, he does. When you don't know how to pray, he does. When you don't know how to think, when you don't know what decisions to make or whatever, he knows the mind of God, and he is going to be inside of you. God is working in us to do his good 
pleasure. He's doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He doesn't help people who think they can do it on their own. He helps people who say, God, help, help. I need you all. I need you, God. My marriage needs you. My kids need you. My financial picture needs you. God, I need you today. I believe if there's a man and woman, if there's a, a, a student in this room that would just humble yourself and lift your hands to a holy God, I believe that he would hear you, that he would come, that he would do what no other power can do. If you need help today, help is on the way. But you gotta humble yourself and say, God, I need you. Our daughter used to say, when she was little, she'd say, hold you, hold you, hold me. I think you want me to hold you. That's what, that's what she wanted. And I tell you, if you've, if you've been a parent, you got a little, little one that does that. And they're looking up at you. It's just hard to resist, isn't it? And I want you to know you have a heavenly father today who's looking down. And it's just hard to resist when you reach up to him and say, I'm not enough. I know I'm not enough. I can't look within. I've got to look up because you are my source. You are my the psalmist says, where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord. Today, I believe God's looking down in this room and wherever you are watching this right now, and he's looking for people who will just do like Moses and lift their arms and say, God, I need you. I need you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for the clarity of your word that enables us to know what kind of God that you are. And you said if we'll just put aside our pride that you'll intervene on our behalf. And so Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Maybe some of us, we're trying to work it out on our own. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching and you'd be honest enough to say, you know what, that's me. I kind of get all bowed up at times and think, well, I'm gonna have to work harder. I'm gonna have to do, I'm gonna, I, 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 I. But today, God's saying, hey, hey, just humble yourself and give it to me. Would you give me your kids? Would you give me your finances? Would you give me your future? Would you give it to me? Because I'm better at it than you are. And you need and you want my strength. This is how you receive it, is when you give it to me. If you're here today and you say, Craig, I want God's help in every area of my life. So all over again today, I just want to humble myself and, 
and, and give myself wholly unto God. Will you just raise your hands all over this room if that's you today? You just say, and give myself all over again to God. I, I just, I, I'm tired of pride getting in the way of God coming supernaturally into my marriage or into my finances or into my situations. God, in the name of Jesus, help us to surrender all to you. To just let go of pride and say, God, I give you this situation. And for those of us, God, that sometimes do that and then we take it right back, help us to really trust you, to trust you wholeheartedly. Maybe others of you while we're praying, that's something you need to do is trust God. And here's where you need to trust him is what I talked about earlier with your sin. It's not about, again, being a perfect person or going to church or if you go so many times a year, then you're all good or whatever. It's not about what you can do for God. It's what God has done for you. And if today you'd like to receive what God has done for you, that is his forgiveness of your sins, and you'd like to have the, the total forgiveness that comes from God that I know I enjoy and so many others have enjoyed and been changed by, and you say, yes, I need that. I need God in my life. I need a life change. I need him today. Will you just shoot your hand up all over this room right now? Yeah, if that's you, and if that's you online, just type decided, if you can, in the chat. And we'll just be praying for you as well. But everybody pray this prayer with me. Everybody pray it so those around them will pray it as well. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me, to pay for my sin. When you said it is finished, you finished the work so that I can be free. So today I invite you in. Come on into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash away my past. Do what I cannot do. As much as I know how, I receive you today as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody. Let's praise God for those made that commitment. That's so awesome. And listen, it's not just in this room, but thank you for helping us to reach out all across the world as well. And uh, if you are in this room, uh, there are simple next steps that you can take. And we've got a next steps class over here. It's just a room. It's not really a class, just a opportunity to go in and visit with somebody. We've got some brochures on baptism. Uh, if baptism is your next step, or maybe one of the classes that was on the screen earlier, maybe that's your next step. But whatever your next step is, make sure you take that next step today. Let's stand together and get ready to worship the Lord. Thank him for his forgiveness. Don't forget about the food truck out there, but also the prayer partners that we'll have down here in the front if you need somebody to lift your arms today. Heavenly Father, help us to go and share our faith with somebody else. We've got to open our mouths. We've got to share it on 
on our social media. We, we've got to do something. And so, God, we know you'll bless those efforts as we, as we do that for you. You'll give us the boldness, God, and then we can respond. And, God, we thank you for your help, your strength, your power in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.